Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access a copy of the online edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive an excellent daily email that contains both the reading for the day from the text as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue a reading of Chapter 10, God and the Ego, with Section Six, the dynamics of the ego. We're also mindful of our lesson today, lesson 118, which is a review of lesson 105, God's peace and joy are mine, and lesson 106, let me be still and listen to the truth. And by way of opening this morning, uh, I've saved this one for a long time. One of my favorites from Rumi. And it goes like this. Mount the stallion of love and do not fear the path. Love's stallion knows the way exactly. With one leap, love's horse will carry you home. Let yourself be drawn by the stronger pearl pull of that which you truly love. All we really want is love's confusing joy. Embark on the journey of love. It takes you from yourself to yourself. Nothing is meaningful except surrendering to love. Do it. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you. Do it. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> Love that. Love this poem. Uh-huh. It, it, uh, I just want to say I love it because it highlights what he talks about in this section about our dependence on God. So I'm grateful. Thank you. All right, my friends, here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Harrison, Donna, Karen, Robin Marie, and Reverend Rita. Uh We're joined in listening this morning by uh, one identifi- unidentified caller. So welcome to you. And is there anyone else who's joined us who would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. Jessica's here, and I'd love to read. Great. Thanks, Jessica. Alrighty then. We will take up again Chapter 10, God and the Ego, is Section 6, The Dynamics of the Ego, beginning with Paragraph 39. No one can escape from illusions unless he looks at them, for not looking is the way they are protected. There is no need to shrink from illusions, for they cannot be dangerous. We are ready to look more closely at the ego's thought system, because together we have the lamp that will dispel it. And since you realize you do not want it, 
you must be ready. Let us be very calm in doing this, for we are merely looking honestly for truth. The so-called dynamics of the ego will be our lesson for a while, for we must look first at this to look beyond it, since you have made it real. We will undo this error quietly together, and then look beyond it to truth. Good morning. Oh, I think Lemoyne dropped off. Um, okay, Fran. Section 6. The Dynamics of the Ego. Paragraph 39. No one can escape from illusions unless he looks at them. For not looking is the way they are protected. There is no need to shrink from illusions, for they cannot be dangerous. We are ready to look more closely at the ego's thought system because together we have the lamp that will dispel it. And since you realize you do not want it, you must be ready. Let us be very calm in doing this, but we are merely looking honestly for truth. The quote-unquote dynamics of the ego will be our lesson for a while. But we must look first at this to look beyond it since you have made it real. We will undo this error quietly together and then look beyond it to truth. 40. What is healing but the removal of all that stands in the way of knowledge? And how else can one dispel illusions except by looking at them directly without protecting them? Be not afraid, therefore, for what you will be looking at is the source of fear but you have surely learned by now that fear is not real. We have accepted the fact already that its effects can be dispelled merely by denying their reality. The next step is obviously to recognize that what has no effects does not exist. Laws do not operate in a vacuum, and what needs to, leads to nothing has not happened. If reality is recognized by its extension, what extends to nothing cannot be real. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne. You might be on mute, Lemoyne. Oh, there you are. My phone's a little slower on charge, and it will hang on me up again if I don't charge it. Here we are. (laughs) Okay. 40. What is healing but the removal of all that stands in the way of knowledge? And how else can one dispel illusions except by looking at them directly without protecting them? Be not afraid, therefore, for what you will be looking at is the source of fear, but you have surely learned by now that fear is not real. We have accepted the fact already that its effects can be dispelled merely by denying their reality. The next step is obviously to recognize 
that what has no effects does not exist. Laws do not operate in a vacuum, and what leads to nothing has not happened. If reality is recognized by its extension, what extends to nothing cannot be real. Do not be afraid then to look upon fear for it cannot be seen. Clarity undoes confusion by definition and to look upon darkness through light must dispel it. Let us begin this lesson in quote-unquote ego dynamics by understanding that the term itself does not mean anything. In fact, it contains exactly the contradiction in terms which makes it meaningless. Dynamics implies the power to do something, and the whole separation fallacy lies in the belief that the power, sorry, lies in the belief that the ego has the power to do anything. The ego is fearful to you because you believe this, yet the truth is very simple. All power is of God. What is not of him has no power to do anything. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Harrison, if you'd like to read um, 41 through 43, please. Okay. Do not be afraid, then, to look upon fear, for... It cannot be seen. Clarity undoes confusion by definition, and to look upon darkness through light must dispel it. Let us begin this lesson in ego dynamics, quote unquote by understanding that the term itself does not mean anything. In fact, it contains exactly the contradiction in terms which makes it meaningless. Quote-unquote dynamics implies the power to do something and the whole separation fallacy lies in the belief that the ego has the power to do anything. The ego is fearful to you because you believe this. Yet the truth is very simple. All power is of God. What is not of him has no power to do anything. 43. When we look at the ego, then we are not considering dynamics, but delusion. We can surely regard a delusional system without fear, 
for it cannot have any effect if its source is not true. Fear becomes more obviously inappropriate if one recognizes the ego's goal, which is so clearly senseless that any effort exerted on its behalf is necessarily expended on nothing. The ego's goal is quite explicitly ego autonomy. For uh, from the beginning, then, its purpose is to be separate, sufficient unto itself, and independent of any power except its own. This is why it is the symbol of separation. Thank you, Harrison. And Donna. All power is of God. What is not of him has no power to do anything. 43. When we look at the ego then, we are not considering dynamics but delusions. We can surely regard a delusional system without fear, for it cannot have any effects if its source is not true. Fear becomes more obviously inappropriate if one recognizes the ego's gold which is so clearly senseless that any effort exerted on its behalf is necessarily extended, expended on nothing. The ego's goal is quite explicitly ego autonomy. <laughs> From the beginning then, its purpose is to be separate, sufficient unto itself, and independent of any power except its own. This is why it is a symbol of separation. 44. Every idea has a purpose, and its purpose is always the natural extension of what it is. Everything that stems from the ego is the natural outcome of its central belief, and the way to undo its results is merely to recognize that their source is not natural, being out of accord with your true nature. We once said that to will contrary to God is wishful thinking and not real willing. His willing is one because the extension of his will cannot be unlike itself. The real conflict you experience then is between the ego's idle wishes and the will of God, which you share. Can this be a real conflict? Thank you, Donna. And Karen. 
Every idea has a purpose, and its purpose is always the natural extension of what it is. Everything that stems from the ego is the natural outcome of its central belief. And to the excuse me, and the way to undo its results is merely to recognize that their source is not natural, being out of accord with your true nature. We once said that to will contrary to God is wishful thinking and not real willing. His will is one because the extension of his will cannot be unlike itself. The real conflict you experience then is between the ego's idle wishes and the will of God which you share. Can this be a real conflict? 45. Yours is the independence of creation, not of autonomy. Your whole creative function lies in your complete dependence on God, whose function he shares with you. By his willingness to share it, he became as dependent on you as you are on him. Do not ascribe the ego's arrogance to him who wills not to be independent of you. He has included you in his autonomy. Can you believe that autonomy is meaningful apart from him? The belief in ego autonomy is costing you the knowledge of your dependence on God in which your freedom lies. The ego sees all dependence as threatening and has twisted even your longing for God into a means of establishing itself. But do not be deceived by its interpretations of your conflict. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. Forty-five. Yours is the independence of creation, not of autonomy. Your whole creative function lies in your complete dependence on God, whose function he shares with you. By his willingness to share it, he became as dependent on you as you are on him. Do not ascribe the ego's arrogance to him, who wills not to be independent of you, He has included you in his autonomy. Can you believe that autonomy is meaningful apart from him? The belief in ego autonomy is costing you the knowledge of your dependence on God in which your freedom lies. The ego sees all dependency as threatening and has twisted even your longing for God into a means of establishing itself. But do not be deceived by its interpretation of your conflict. 46. The ego always attacks on behalf of separation. Believing it has the power to do this, it does nothing else because its goal of autonomy is nothing else. 
The ego is totally confused about reality, but it does not lose sight of its goal. It is much more vigilant than you are because it is perfectly certain of its purpose. You are confused because you do not know yours. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Reverend Risha? Mm-hmm. Yep, 46. The ego always attacks on behalf of separation. Believing it has the power to do this, it does nothing else because its goal of autonomy is nothing else. The ego is totally confused about reality, but it does not lose sight of its goal. It is much more vigilant than you are because it is perfectly certain of its purpose. You are confused because you do not know yours. 47, what you must learn to recognize is that the last thing the ego wishes you to realize is that you are afraid of it. For if the ego gives rise to fear, it is diminishing your independence and weakening your power. Yet its one claim to your allegiance is that it can give you, it can give power to you. Without this belief, you would not listen to it at all. How then can its existence continue if you realize that by accepting it, you are belittling yourself and depriving yourself of power? Thank you, Reverend Regia and Jessica. Thanks, Lori. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> 47. What you must learn to recognize is that the last thing the ego wishes you to realize is that you are afraid of it. For if the ego gives rise to fear, it is diminishing your independence and weakening your power. Yet its one claim to your allegiance is that it can give power to you. Without this belief, you would not listen to it at all. How then can its existence continue if you realize that by accepting it, you are belittling yourself and depriving yourself of power? 48. The ego can and does allow you to regard yourself as supercilious, unbelieving, lighthearted, distant, emotionally shallow, callous, uninvolved, and even desperate, but not really afraid. Minimizing fear, but not its undoing, is the ego's constant effort and is indeed the skill at which it is very ingenious. How can it preach separation without upholding it through fear? And would you listen to it if you recognize this is what it is doing? Thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for 48 and 49? This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. 48. The ego can and does allow you to regard yourself as supercilious, unbelieving, lighthearted, distant, emotionally shallow, 
callous, uninvolved, and even desperate, but not really afraid. Minimizing fear but not its undoing is the ego's constant effort and is indeed the skill at which it is very ingenious. How can it preach separation without upholding it through fear? And would you listen to it if you recognize this is what it is doing? 49. Your recognition that whatever seems to separate you from God is only fear, regardless of the form it takes, and quite apart from how the ego wants you to experience it, is therefore the basic ego threat. Its dreams of autonomy is shaken to its foundation by this awareness. For though you may for though you may countenance a false idea of independence, you will not accept the cost of fear if you recognize it. Yet this is the cost and the ego cannot minimize it. For if you overlook love, you are overlooking yourself. And you must fear unreality because you have denied yourself. By believing that you have successfully attacked truth, you are believing that attack has power. Very simply then, you have become afraid of yourself and no one wills to learn what he believes would destroy him. Thank you, Sandra. And would there be another new reader for 49 and 50? I think I can see, yeah, this is Lana. I think I can, okay, 49, give it a shot. (laughs) Uh, 49, your recognition that whatever seems to separate you from God is only fear, regardless of the form it takes, and quite apart from how the ego wants you to experience it, is therefore the basic ego threat. Its dream of autonomy is shaken to its foundation by this awareness. For though you may countenance a false idea of independence, you will not accept the cost of fear if you recognize it. Yet, this is the cost, and the ego cannot minimize it. For if you overlook love, you are overlooking yourself and you must fear unreality because you have denied yourself. By believing that you have successfully attacked truth, you are believing that attack has power. Very simply then, you have become afraid of yourself and no one wills to learn what he believes would destroy him. 50. If the ego's goal of autonomy could be accomplished, God's purpose could be defeated, and this is impossible. And this is impossible. Only by learning what fear is can you finally learn to distinguish the possible 
from the impossible and the false from the true. According to the ego's teaching, its goal can be accomplished and God's purpose cannot. According to the Holy Spirit's teaching, only God's purpose is accomplishment and it is already accomplished. Thank you, Lana. And would there be another new reader for 50 and 51? Ready, back to you, Fran. 50. <clears throat> if the ego's goal of autonomy could be accomplished, God's purpose could be defeated, and this is impossible. Only by learning what fear is can you finally learn to distinguish the possible from the impossible and the false from the true. According to the ego's teaching, its goal can be accomplished and God's purpose cannot. According to the Holy Spirit's teaching, only God's purpose is accomplishment and it is already accomplished. 51. God is as dependent on you as you are on him because his autonomy encompasses yours and is therefore incomplete without it. You can only establish your autonomy by identifying with him and fulfilling your function as it exists in truth. The ego believes that to accomplish its goal is happiness. But it is given you to know that God's function is yours and happiness cannot be found apart from your joint will. Recognize only that the ego's goal, which you have pursued quite diligently, has only brought you fear, and it becomes difficult to maintain that fear is happiness. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne. God is as dependent God is as dependent on you as you are on him because his autonomy encompasses yours and is therefore incomplete without it. You can only establish your autonomy by identifying with him and fulfilling your function as it exists in truth. The ego believes that to accomplish its goal is happiness. But it is given you to know that God's function is yours and happiness cannot be found apart from your joint will. Recognize only that the ego's goal, which you have pursued quite diligently, has brought you, has only brought you fear and it becomes difficult to maintain that fear is happiness. Upheld by fear, this is what the ego would have you believe. Yet God's Son is not insane and cannot believe it. Let him but recognize it, and he will not accept it. For only the insane would choose fear in place of love and only the insane could believe that love can be gained by attack. But the sane know that only attack could produce fear 
from which the love of God completely protects them. Thank you, Lemoyne and Harrison. 53. Upheld by fear. <coughs> Excuse me. This is what the ego would have you believe. Yet God's son is not insane and cannot believe it. Let him but recognize it, and he will not accept it. For only the insane would choose fear in place of love, and only the insane should believe that love can be gained by attack. But the saying knows that attack could produce fear from which the love of God completely protects them. 53. The ego analyzes. The Holy Spirit accepts. The appreciation of wholeness comes only through acceptance. For to analyze means is, uh, let me say that again, for to analyze means to separate out. The attempt to understand totality by breaking it up is clearly the characteristically contradictory approach of the ego to everything. Never forget that the ego believes that power, understanding, and truth lie in separation. And to establish this belief, it must attack. Unaware that the belief cannot be established and obsessed with the and obsessed with the conviction that separation is salvation, the ego attacks everything it perceives by breaking it up into small and disconnected parts without meaningful relationships and thus without meaning. The ego will always substitute chaos for meaning. For separation is salvation, harmony is threat. Thank you, Harrison. And Donna.
You might be on mute, Donna. Um, we're on 53 and 54, Donna. Okay, Karen. 53. The ego analyzes. The Holy Spirit accepts. The appreciation of wholeness comes only through acceptance. For to analyze means to separate out. The attempt to understand totality by breaking it up is clearly the characteristically contradictory approach of the ego to everything. Never forget that the ego believes that power, understanding, and truth lie in separation. And to establish this belief, it must attack. Unaware that the belief cannot be established and obsessed with the conviction that separation is salvation, the ego attacks everything it perceives by breaking it up into small and disconnected parts without meaningful relationships and thus without meaning. The ego will always substitute chaos for meaning And if separation is salvation, harmony is threat. 54. The ego's interpretations of the laws of perception are and would have to be the exact opposite of the Holy Spirit. The ego focuses on error and overlooks truth. It makes real every mistake it perceives and with characteristically circular reasoning, concludes that because of this mistake, consistent truth must be meaningless. The next step, then, is obvious. If consistent truth is meaningless, inconsistency must be true, if truth has meaning. Holding error clearly in mind and protecting what it has made real. The ego proceeds to the next step in its thought system. That error is rule, excuse me, that error is real and truth is error. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. Fifty-four. The ego's interpretation of the laws of perception are, and would have to be, the exact opposite of the Holy Spirit's. The ego focuses on error and overlooks truth. It makes real every mistake it perceives, and with characteristically circular reasoning, concludes that because of the mistake, consistent truth must be meaningless. The next step, then, is obvious. If consistent truth is meaningless, inconsistency must be true if truth has meaning. Holding error clearly in mind and protecting what it has made real, the ego proceeds to the next step in its thought system. 
that error is real and truth is error. 55, the ego makes no attempt to understand this and it is clearly not understandable. But the ego does make every attempt to demonstrate it and this it does constantly. Analyzing to attack meaning the ego does succeed in overlooking it and is left with a series of fragmented perceptions which it unifies on behalf of itself. This then becomes the universe it perceives, and it is this universe which, in turn, becomes its demonstration of its own reality. Thank you, Reverend Marie. And Reverend Richa. Mm-hmm. Okay, 55. The ego makes no attempt to understand this. Well, um, that, that error is real and truth is error. Um, and it is clearly not understandable, but the ego does make every attempt to demonstrate it, and this it does constantly. Analyzing to attack meaning, the ego does succeed in overlooking it and is left with a series of fragmented perceptions which it unifies on behalf of itself. This then becomes the universe it perceives, and it is this universe which in turn becomes its demonstration of its own reality. 56. Do not underestimate the appeal of the ego's demonstrations to those who would listen. Selective perception chooses its witnesses carefully, and its witnesses are consistent. The case for insanity is strong to the insane. For reasoning ends at its beginning, and no thought system transcends its source. Yet reasoning without meaning cannot demonstrate anything, and those who are convinced by it must be deluded. Can the ego teach truly when it overlooks truth? Can it perceive what it has denied? Its witnesses do attest to its denial and hardly to what it has denied. The ego looks straight at the father and does not see him, for it has denied his son. Thank you, Reverend Rita and Jessica. 56. Do not underestimate the appeal of of the ego's demonstrations to those who would listen. Selective perception chooses its witnesses carefully, and its witnesses are consistent. The case for insanity is strong to the insane. For reasoning ends at its beginning, and no thought system transcends its source. Yet reasoning without meaning cannot demonstrate anything, and those who are convinced by it must be deluded. Can the ego teach truly when it overlooks truth? Can it perceive what it has denied? Its witnesses do attest to its denial, but hardly to what it has denied. The ego looks straight at the father and does not see him, for it has denied his son. 57. Would you remember the father? 
Accept his son and you will remember him. Nothing can demonstrate that his son is unworthy, for nothing can prove that a lie is true. What you see of his son through the eyes of the ego is a demonstration that his son does not exist. Yet where the son is, the father must be. Except what God does not deny, and he will demonstrate its truth. The witnesses for God... Oh, gosh. Somebody's calling me. The witnesses for God stand in his light and hold what he created. Their silence is the sign that they have beheld God's Son. And in the presence of Christ, they need demonstrate nothing. For Christ speaks to them of himself and of his Father. They are silent because Christ speaks to them. And it is his words they, that they speak. Thank you, Jessica. And Sandra. Would you remember the Father? Accept his Son, and you will remember him. Nothing can demonstrate that his Son is unworthy, for nothing can prove that a lie is true. What you see of his Son through the eyes of the ego, is the demonstration that his son does not exist. Yet where the son is, the father must be. Accept what God does not deny, and he will demonstrate its truth. The witnesses for God stand in his, high, in his light and behold what he created. Their silence is the sign that they have beheld God's Son. And in the presence of Christ, they need demonstrate nothing, for Christ speaks to them of himself and his Father. They are silent because Christ speaks to them, and it is his words that they speak. 58. Every brother you meet becomes a witness for Christ or for the ego depending on what you perceive in him. I think I better read that again. (laughs) Every brother you meet becomes a witness for Christ or for the ego, depending on what you perceive in him. Everyone convinces you of what you want to perceive and of the reality of the kingdom you have chosen for your vigilance. Everything you perceive is a witness to the thought system you want to be true. Every brother has the power to release you if you will will to be free. You cannot accept false witnesses of him unless you have evolved, sorry, have evoked false witnesses against him. If he speaks not of Christ to you, you spoke not of Christ to him. You hear but your own voice, and if Christ speaks through you, you will hear him. You hear but your own voice, and if Christ speaks through you, you will hear him. Thank you, Sandra. And Donna, are you able to read? 
And if so, would you like to read 58 again? Yes, thank you, and I, I apologize for... I don't know what happened. Oh, no problem. <laughs> 58. <laughs> Every brother you meet becomes a witness for Christ or for the ego, depending on what you perceive in him. Everyone convinces you of what you want to perceive and of the reality of the kingdom you have chosen for your vigilance. Everything you perceive is a witness to the thought system you want to be true. Every brother has the power to release you if you will be free. You cannot accept false witnesses of him unless you have evoked false witnesses against him. If he speaks not of Christ to you, you spoke not of Christ to him. You hear but your own voice, and if Christ speaks through you, you will hear him. Thank you, Donna, and thank you everyone who read this morning. And we read uh, a little bit past the top of the hour, so uh, Fran, would you like to lead us in remembrance of the first top of the hour aspect of our lessons today? Please, and thank sure. you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and we are on the third review. And today's lesson is Lesson 118. God's peace and joy are mine. Let me be still and listen to the truth. And I will just read one paragraph from the review. We emphasize the benefits to you. If you devote the first five minutes of the day to your review and also give the last five minutes of your waking day to it, if this cannot be done, at least try to divide them so you undertake one in the morning and the other in the hour just before you go to sleep. I'm going to go over to the lesson now. Lesson 118 with the review of Lesson 105. God's peace and joy are mine. Today I will accept God's peace and joy in glad exchange for all the substitutes which I have made for happiness and peace. And now the review of Lesson 106. Let me be still and listen to the truth. Let mine own feeble feeble voice be still and let me hear the mighty voice of truth itself assure me that I am God's perfect son and we'll take a moment and do reflect on lesson 105 God's peace and joy are mine
Today, I will accept God's peace and joy in glad exchange for all the substitutes which I have made for happiness and peace. Lesson 105, God's peace and joy are mine. Amen. Amen, and thank you, Fran. And we'll call again upon you about 40 minutes past the hour for the second part, okay? Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This is Fran. I love how he says in this in the lesson 105. Exchange for all the substitutes which I have made for happiness and peace. Wow, there's been a lot that I have made, a lot of substitutes which I have made for happiness and peace. I love this lesson. God's peace and joy are mine. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Fran. That's a great change. I've made a lot of substitutes for happiness and peace as well. I have to admit, I can admit it to myself. If I do it in front of you guys more clearly, I more clearly hear it myself. Thank you. Oh, thank you, That's Ida. a testimony to support, Ida. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Yes, thank you, Ida. Good morning, it's Lana. Um, I, I find it really interesting um, in this section that we read today, that one line that I think we all remember about the ego analyzes and the Holy Spirit accepts, and the whole section was about analyzing the ego and its antics. Um, you know, it's. Uh, I think the long, at least for me, the longer I do this work and 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 um, try to keep my mind set in God is is that the only thing I, I really need to remember about the ego is that if I align my mind with it, I will suffer. And if I align my mind with Holy Spirit and my truth and with God, I'll find peace. And um, it, for me, it gets down to that one little point. You know, I although um, <laughs> I also find it interesting that... Um, Jesus constructed this course so brilliantly in that in the text 
it really keeps the thinking mind and the intellect busy analyzing the ego the whole while the workbook is undoing the mind that seeks to analyze <laughs> you know so um it's like uh you know jesus knows us so well and um you know and he wants us to be as familiar with uh the peace of god as we are with the pain of the ego and i think you know for me when i first started doing um a course in miracles uh, i was real familiar with the ego you know i was real familiar with the pain and the fear and all the constructs that it built around the fear all the stories i'm sorry i'm outside here the dog's barking but um i was very unfamiliar with the peace of god and i'm going to say i'm complete <laughs> because i can't even hear myself talk so i'm complete thank you for listening oh so straightforward and to the point lena thank you Thank you, Lana. This is Donna. What popped out to me today, which I always do uh, put a circle around the word every time I see it, is the word be- belief, believe, believe. Uh, believes uh, 14 times in today's readings that I picked out uh, Jesus uh, uses the word belief to describe all the unbelief we believe in <laughs> and I added I added the word belief to uh, paragraph 54 the last uh, sentence holding error clearly in mind and protecting what it has and protecting what it has made holding air clearly in mind and protecting what it meaning the ego has made the ego proceeds to the next step in its thought system and then there's a hyphen in there that error is real and truth is error and I after thought system I inserted the word the belief that error is real and truth is error because what I see is so clearly how easy it is to get caught up in the belief system of the ego Um, so that's kind of how I'm trying to figure out how to see the truth live the truth and have the truth and eliminate as much chaos as possible I am complete Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Yeah, what you said, Donna, reminded me of... um, of what he offers later in the work about um, looking from above in the section called above the battleground 
And um, probably my favorite part of this whole section is in the first paragraph, 39, where he emphasizes that we've gone far enough to look honestly uh, together. Look honestly together. Um, None of it makes any sense if I'm looking at it alone uh, because the source of all the ego material is by definition established alone. A private world with private thoughts and uh, private effects, all of it can't be shared. Um, But it starts out by emphasizing we are looking together at the ego thought system. And uh, when we see it from above the battleground, it becomes clear that there's no need to protect those kind of thoughts. Um, My mind is filled with something right now that seems important to share, so here it is. Um, Before I came to the Course in Miracles, um, I did some work with material from John Bradshaw in his book called Coming Home. And uh, it was was really helpful uh, to set the stage for me to realize there's an aspect of my mind. uh, I was, it was unknown to me at the time, but there is an aspect of my mind that can see clearly um, when I'm looking uh, at the time, you know, it was to look objectively take all these memories that you have, all these pictures in your mind of what happened and what it meant, and realize that you have a right mind on your shoulder that can look at this in a different way and see that the consequence of, um, of these things that happened were a result of the meaning that I gave them. But reason could show me something different. That was just a beginning step, but uh, I bring it up because um, because it emphasizes that even though it be unknown to me, there is an aspect of my mind. He, he says that's the Holy Spirit. All my knowledge saved for me. This aspect of my mind can lift me above as if holding a lamp to look objectively at something that happened and the meaning I gave to it and the consequence of all my behavior because of it. And from that point of view, that frame of reference, that higher frame of reference, I'm able to understand that the meaning I gave everything was fear because I didn't understand at the time. Thank God for the Holy Spirit and the declaration right here at the get-go that we're looking at this material together, not alone. And when I take all those little freeze frames and from my past, my memories and my meanings, and realize that with the arms of Christ around me, with the light of Holy Spirit in my mind, I can look upon those events in a different way and realize that all the consequences were a result of my mistaken understandings.
that's what allows me to release those meanings uh, that were born of error, the error of separation and the simple belief that I was alone. I'm complete. Oh, that was good. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. There was. Thank you, Lori. Um, this is Karen. Good morning. I just had a, a comment about that. Thank you so much, Lori, for you know describing that those little freeze frames, and it's so true of how we see each other. You know, when I look at my sister, I isolate this this little piece of our interactions these days. You know, that's not very loving and seems confrontational and. It's like that stands alone in the in the ego's truth. But if I were to rise above and look higher from a higher place and see her in her totality, not just, you know, this particular unfortunate phase that we're in, but to see her in the context of all the things she's doing in her life, all her stressors, all her, you know, um, her good, loving work, all of the past of all the love we've shared, you know, it's just like the ego pulls out, pulls out the negative and amplifies it and everything else it obliterates in consciousness. And that's the way the ego sees. It fragments everything, which is what the reading was saying. And the same is true for myself, I mean, my ego has taught me I'm bad, I'm something to hate. You know, there's all this self-loathing. And throughout all my spiritual work and my spiritual practices of 40 years, um, the light has hardly ever shown on how much the self-loathing is there. It has never dispelled it. It has never dispelled it. And it seems like... Uh, the course is pointing me in in the direction of looking um, with love at myself. Like if I could rise up and see, well, yes, I made those mistakes, but, you know, from a higher place you can have compassion for how you got lost or how you got mixed up or how you, you know, fell. And the falling part is just, it's not the totality. It's just a fragment. Anyway, um, two things I was going to add to that is yesterday's lesson, which was God being love is also happiness. After doing the whole day's worth of practice, I just heard very simply in the air, when we love, we're happy. It's so simple. You know, it's not some complex thing that has to be unwound. When we're loving, we're happy. God being love is also happiness. And um, I seek but what belongs to me in truth. I just seek the natural me, the one God created, without all of these blocks and falsehood and fragmentations and without all of this history and interpreting, ego interpretations of it. I just seek 
my true self the way God created me, my natural state, which is just empty extension of him. Um, I think in the reading today it was saying, at the beginning of the reading it was it was just saying that um, our alignment Well, I don't remember where it was, but basically what I was thinking is that um, no one can escape illusions unless he looks at them. If we don't look at the ego's core beliefs, which are, um, like in my case, let's say, so hating myself, um, it's rejecting ego rejects me and therefore it's protecting its illusions. I don't know how to say that. Anyway, thank you. I'm complete. That was just so lovely, Karen. Love is happiness. And so simple. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Thank you, you, Karen. Uh, This is Donna, and yes, it again takes me back to the paragraph 39, Laurie, that you brought up. When I first saw the first sentence, it did catch me in the reading, but I, you know, kind of forgot about it and would not have gone back to it. But what came to me was what we, what came to me was about how we blame ourselves. So we're either blaming self or other. And I thought, oh yeah, okay. Once, if we look at blaming ourselves rather than looking at the illusion we're experiencing, which is blaming ourselves and others, then we're walking down the wrong path. For some reason, I'm not saying it well, but I'm, it just gave me some clarity about not entertaining anything that is obviously potential chaos. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I am complete. Oh, thank you, Donna, for bringing in the idea that analyzing leads to chaos. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. I just, um, I couldn't remember what it was that was really standing out in the reading earlier, but it's the autonomy. It's the idea that uh, the ego wants to be autonomous of God. I mean, that's, that's, I understand this very deeply myself because um, I was with a guru for seven years and I was like a child and he was like the father and I was like empty and I did everything I was supposed to do and I didn't know anything about the ego and I didn't know anything about the Course in Miracles so I could never have conceived of what was going on. 
But at a certain point, I felt like I was like uh, in puberty, and he had fathered me, and then I, I wanted to be independent. It was like all of a sudden my ego was rebelling, and I wanted to be as powerful as everybody else, you know. And I, I, I didn't know that he was training me to be empty to God. I thought it was about being empty to him. So when I left, it was really like I thought I was going to be independent of having a guru. But in truth, he was teaching me to be empty to God, to be, you know, just completely in the surrender of the divine. And it was this ego thing of wanting to be autonomous. You know, wanting to be like all these other spiritual people who were like great healers. And it was insanity, pure insanity. But it was the ego. It was the ego, not giving up the fight of dying. And our true autonomy is to be surrendered in the oneness with God. And being in God's autonomy. (laughs) That's the power that's that's stepping into the true power the true power of the one self and the autonomy of the one self and the divine mind not the ego's little shattered fragment i'm complete oh thank you karen oh that's so true karen thank you thank you karen That is precisely what you said, um, precisely why I so adore this poem that I've saved for so long. Mount the stallion of love and do not fear the path. Love stallion knows the way exactly. And and I remember so clearly uh, when that arrived, I was doing the lesson, my holiness envelops everything I see. And it was so hard. I have felt um, how can how can I do I can't <laughs> I can't do that. My holiness envelops everything I see. But what occurred then was the recognition that right now God loves everything I see. God adores His creation. God's creation is Himself. And if God loves it, and God envelops it, I am part of God. I ride that stallion of love. Then I knew. Then I knew because of the horse. Because of the horse, the stallion of love. My holiness envelops everything I see. My dependence on God is my autonomy. And um, that's the essence of this reading to me today. Thank you, thank you, thank you for highlighting that. I'm depleted. Thank you, Lori. Um, just have to add one more thing. All power is of God. What is not of him has no power to do anything. Yours is the independence of creation, not of autonomy. Your whole creative function lies in your complete dependence on God. I seek what belongs to me in truth. 
just complete free fall dependence on God. I am complete. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Hi, it's Vanna. Um, that's such a great point, uh, Karen. And it's like um, when I want my autonomy based on the ego's point of view, I really am getting nothing. And as one with God, I have everything. You know, so it's it's a choice between nothing and everything. Um, and somehow, aligned with the ego, I get those things confused. You know, I think, well, you know, I'm going to be autonomous. I'm going to be on my own, independent. And and from the world's point of view, that's a pretty good place to be. You know, it's self-sufficient. It's all those <laughs> um, adjectives for being self-reliant and uh, a tool for success. And but um, the it's it's so clear that it's the exact opposite. You know, in in my um, I don't use the word surrender. I don't even think Jesus uses that word in the Course of Miracles at all. But um, I like to think of it as uh, recognizing that I'm joined as one with God, you know. And in that decision, I have everything. I have everything I've always wanted. And sometimes, you know, at least for me it was, uh, it takes devastation where... um, there's no there seems to be no place to turn but God. You know, my little ego grab bag is empty of ideas. And uh you know, it's it's like there's nothing. You know, it's it's that hopelessness sets in, there's no answer because the ego only sees the past. And if there's no answer in the past I can tend to think one doesn't exist. An answer doesn't exist. But on the other hand, I have available to me, access to me, the infinite mind of God <laughs> who knows nothing of the past. And and I think that's why um, when I do uh, join with God, um, the answer that comes back to me is always fresh and new. And it's like, why didn't I think of that, you know? And the reason I never thought about it because I had no reference point to it because it wasn't filed away in my past. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you know, it's it's always, you know, for me a choice between nothing and everything. That one little decision to join with God. So I'm complete. Thanks for listening. Oh, thank you, Lana. Yeah, thank and that's you, a perfect perfect segue um, to our 30-minute interval of reflection on the second part of our lesson, Let Me Be Still. So, Fran, would you lead us again, please? Sure. sure. Okay, we are on Lesson 118, and the second part is the review of Lesson 106. So we'll take a moment and reflect on that. Lesson 106, Let Me Be Still and listen to the truth.
Let mine own feeble voice be still, and let me hear the mighty voice of truth itself assure me that I am God's perfect son. Let me be still and listen to the truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. One of my favorites, absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Fran. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Fran. Good morning, this is Sandra. And let me be still and listen to the truth (laughs) Um, uh, so that I can hear the mighty voice of truth itself. Assure me that I am God's perfect daughter. Perfect daughter, wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because the truth is, that is the truth. You know, Lori, you mentioned in your share about... Uh, feeling alone, you know, that you were no longer alone. And I thought I was going to die from loneliness because I believed the lie that if there wasn't a human body near me or I wasn't in a special relationship, that I was alone. Bereft. (laughs) Completely destroyed because I was alone. Not all one. I was alone. There was nothing, nobody, nothing to hold on to. And that was the biggest lie I ever told myself. Because there is no love but God's. I kept thinking I was going to get love from humans. And humans that weren't aware that they were God cannot in any way, shape, or form, and I can only speak for myself, I, I couldn't give love, any kind of love, not to myself or to anybody else until I experienced the love of God, which I, for me, the, the curriculum that I co-created was I was going to make myself be so alone <laughs> through lack of relationships, through lack of special relationships, that um, there was no place, I heard this said today too, there was no place else to go but to God. And I have to say that that relationship that I've established with my creator is the only relationship in my life that has ever brought me joy and peace Who would have thunk that if that uh, that in order for me to feel joy and peace and love that I'd have to have a relationship with something that I couldn't even see? <laughs> um, but it's true, and it's been my experience, and I'm so grateful because I mean I I uh, was victimized by loneliness so much that I just wanted to kill myself for many, many, many years. And the reason for it was because of loneliness. And it's just not true. It's this whole false belief that if there's not a body near us that we're alone is just not true. I'm complete. 
Oh, bless you, Sandra. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Good morning. It's Harrison. Thank you all for filling a lot of blanks for me. <laughs> um, as the more I read and study the course, it just all comes down to choice. Um, and they just two start choices. Um, I can accept that I am as God created me, uh, which is spirit, pure spirit, a thought in the mind of God, formless with no past, no future, just the eternal presence, unaffected by anything that seems to be happening to an invisible body, a body that has no existence in that realm, or I can see myself as I have for most of my 78 years as this body that uh, has struggled with uh, seeing itself as attacked, as vulnerable, uh, sick, uh, uh, hurt, uh, seeing myself as uh, vulnerable and unloving, unloved, being attacked, attacking. That's the size that I have experienced for most of my life. And until I discovered or probably or accurately 
until this horse discovered me, I thought that that was the only reality. Death, sickness, uh, attack of every kind. That was the only reality there was. And my only hope was to get out of that reality was to die. That was it. Death was thought to be freedom. But... Uh, I was tired of living and afraid to die, as Sam Cook said, uh, because I didn't know what was up there beyond the sky. So now, after years of reading and reading the course and uh, practicing the course and listening to course teachers and listening to all of my mighty companions on these calls. Uh, I see now what my choice really is. I can choose the Holy Spirit teaching, Jesus' teaching, or I can choose the ego. And how do I how do I make that choice? He says in this reading, don't underestimate the appeal of the ego's demonstration to those who would listen. Selective perception chooses its witnesses carefully and its witnesses are are consistent. The case for insanity is strong to the insane. That is describing most of my life. He says at 57, would you remember the Father, accept his Son, and you will remember him. But seven words, accept his Son, and you will remember him. That's it. 
is a stark choice. God or the ego. The son or the illusion of his son. Lesson 110. I am as God created me. I'm complete. Oh, that was so beautiful, Harrison. Thank you. Yes, it sure was, Harrison. Thank you so much. Thank you, Harrison. Hi guys, it's Jude. I just want to, because it's 5 to 11, say um, my, one of my favorite lines in the text today is in paragraph 45, and um, it says, the belief in ego autonomy is costing me the knowledge of my dependence on God in which my freedom lies. Recognition, the recognition that God created me and he wills perfect happiness for me, and he's given me everything, that my reality is complete and total, um, just bounty and abundance, and and I don't have to do or think or say or earn, no effort to everything is given, and that's what makes me completely and totally free. <laughs> There's a lot in this text, and and, um, thank you all for being here. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Beautiful highlight. Okay, Judy. You pushed me off the the dime. Um, I want to thank you, Lana, because... You pointed out that surrender doesn't exist in the text, and of course I had to go look. And uh, yeah, it's not in Course in Miracles, and it's not really in A Course of Love or the treatises, but 
it is where he starts in the dialogue. And he talks about the final surrender there. And how that uh, that final surrender is... see. This is the final surrender. The surrender of the control of the personal self. And then he goes on to speak of it as even beyond the ego. I mean, you can just hold the patterns of of fear. Even without believing in them, they can still be active. And I've experienced some of that where I just react the way I've always reacted. And then the fear starts to become, you know, it, it's almost like calling it back. It doesn't have to, though, if I don't believe in it. So I'm going to thank you. Uh, um, Donna, I guess, who, uh, who brought up the thing of belief. And I was looking at it when I went to search for it um, to see, and it's in there in the B E L I or B E L I E, belie, is in there many times. And uh, there's also a belittling, which which he was he refers to our tendency to to self belittle our belittle ourselves and I think this is the the way the ego works is by getting us to look at effects. We believe that our perceptions are real. Um our perceptions of <clears throat> the if this then that which seems to prove um, the validity of analysis that that starts that breaks everything into parts and then tries to assemble them into meaning and if there is a, a meaning to all of it it's found in the whole not in the parts and by whole I mean with the W and uh yeah, I just also want to thank uh, Sandra for speaking of that loneliness that's been there and uh, <clears throat> used to describe it sometimes as an apple core. Somebody, and taking an apple core to my heart, and I say it that way now. <laughs> I just came out that way, that I was doing it to myself. But yes, and I think that that huge sense of emptiness I've seen described recently as the God-sized hole, right? (laughs) And uh, to some extent, um, it's probably done by our choice of of focus on being alone, right? But it's, uh, it, it is, uh, it is a, it does. It is solved by the recognition, which is stated so clearly in Course of Love, that love has but one source, and that this source lies within each of us does not make us different, but it does mean we cannot be alone. And that this is the replacement. He's, he's asking us to, you know, it's, Ah, 
it's not, I want to say go deep, but it doesn't take a lot of digging down through the mess. It's just the recognition of he's pointing at here that the, of where the ego's thought system is based on fear. And that fear can only really be important if we are separate and alone. And so to return to the the thing of autonomy, which is uh, interesting, and it's a very different view of autonomy, where he says in 51, God is as dependent on you as you are on him because his autonomy encompasses yours and is therefore incomplete without it. <clears throat> I kind of got this little challenge today that says, okay, now look at that from the other side, right? Where I would say then, and this is, <laughs> I hope, okay, let me just try it. I am as dependent on God as he is on me because my autonomy is sourced by his and is therefore only real coming from it. And I think it, I, I think that's pretty close. I was afraid I would mess it up because it wasn't clear before. But I think that's why it says in the next sentence, you can only establish your autonomy by identifying with him and fulfilling your function as it exists in truth. And so, you know, the the function here is, is or what he distinguishes, what's different about autonomy, the way we perceive it as being something we hold alone, and the way he's instructing us to look at it as that it's shared, is that this is the way to get to that sharing, is to recognize that it's all about the relationship of all to all, and that is where true autonomy and a freedom of action can arise within the state that recognizes these beautiful summaries and these little lessons. God is but love, and therefore so am I, and so is everyone else I meet. And uh, everything else is just the perception based on the belief that things are uncertain. And uh, that is a choice, long practice, (laughs) but um, I think it can be seen through and, and let go. Anyway, I'm complete. Well, Mine, I was so glad to hear that from you today. What a beautiful share. Thank you so much. Oh, yes, Lemoyne, thank you. And, and and I love what you shared about autonomy. It's um, true autonomy. Of course, we get it backwards and upside down <laughs> and inside out. Oh, because I see, you know, true autonomy is can only be found in unity. It can only be found in the wholeness, like you said, the all of the all, the wholeness and the completeness. 
and that oneness um, really is true loving autonomy. And getting back to that word surrender, I I think maybe, and of course, you know, I don't know, I can't read minds, but uh, one of the things that came to me was that um, perhaps it's not used because uh, surrender has such a negative connotation in the world. Um, you know, you, you lose a battle, you surrender. It, it points to, like, failure. Um, and I don't think Jesus would ever want us to hold something in our mind um, that would lead, that has a, that kind of a, uh, a connotation that um, would not lead to our completion and our wholeness. Um, so I, you know, I don't know why it's not used, but <laughs> uh, but that was just um, one thought that came to mind about that. But I'm sure glad you shared that about autonomy because that really is key. I really do believe it, and in our understanding of, you know, how to get that. Um, you know, we're, Jesus says we never lose the truth when we choose the truth, when we choose God, we we never lose. Not even, we don't even lose the idea of autonomy. We just perceive it, perceive it differently. Um, anyhow, I'm babbling now. I'm complete. Thank you, Lemoyne. Yeah, not at all. That was excellent, Lisa. Um, hi, it's Karen. I just want to thank Lemoyne. I just love hearing from you. I just love when you share, and what you share is so profound, and your viewpoint is a real uh, gift to the call. I'm complete. Oh, I concur Amen. wholeheartedly, Karen. Amen to that. No doubt well, you were inspired, Lemoyne. Well, I was challenged to try and turn that sentence around because it's shared, right? So I should be able to look at that first sentence in 51 either way and have it make sense and be able to state it. Um, But I have no idea. (laughs) Um, And I think it is this thing that we're incomplete without sharing it, you know, really without sharing his autonomy with our, ourself completely and everyone we meet. And I agree, Lana, that, you know, surrender in the world means to give up all, everything and become, essentially become an effect, give up all ability to be cause. And the purpose of this course is to reestablish our identity in and with first cause so that yeah, just so that healing can occur. I think that's that kind of simple. Just so we can, you know, get to that point where we actually can perceive and recognize and realize that, you know, heaven is here, there is no other place. Heaven is now, there is. or more directly and and specifically to current experience, something the other day when I prepared incorrectly by reading 
a little peek ahead into the next chapter where it says, uh, find this, oh, that's this chapter, into the next chapter where it says, every loving thought is true. Everything else is an appeal for healing and help. That is what it is, regardless of the form it takes. And that undercuts all the motivation, justification, machinations of the ego to have that point of view. Yeah. Now, thank you. Thanks, Lamont. Thank you. Thank you, Lamont. Well, this is Lori again. And one of the most uh, fun things about this call is to listen to everybody's shares and recognize the truth that comes through the Course of Miracles being expressed through our different voices and the multiple different ways um, the one mind points to truth. And so as the call goes on, I, I look for those places. And I've heard so many things today, but here's the one. Here's the one. It's been 30 minutes since we last reflected on our lesson, so this is what seems perfect right this very minute. It's from Chapter 8. To fulfill the will of God perfectly is the only joy and peace that can be fully known because it is the only function that can be fully experienced. When this is accomplished, then, there is no other experience. Yet the wish for other experience will block its accomplishment because God's will cannot be forced upon you, being an experience of total willingness. The Holy Spirit knows how to teach this, but you do not. That is why you need him and why God gave him to you. Only his teaching will release your will to God's uniting it with his power and glory and establishing them as yours. You share them as God shares them because this is the natural outcome of their being. God's peace and joy are mine and today I will accept God's peace and joy in glad exchange for all the substitutes which I have made for happiness and peace. Oh, God, I thank you all for the way we touch the one mind. I'll end this recording, but certainly not this call. 